let's get agreement that this is a strategic priority. That area of alignment and synergy can be very important. Future, we're committed to expand valuation. time, there's still progress that needs to be made. This is Healthcare Strategies. Hi, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I'm Olivia Kaler, Senior Editor of Life Sciences Intelligence and Pharma News Intelligence. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Colin Bannis, Chief Medical Officer at Dr. First about mental health and medication adherence. Dr. Bannis, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Recent studies show that one in four new prescriptions are abandoned at the pharmacy, while half of Americans with a chronic condition stop taking their medication within a year of being prescribed. Doctor, can you please share with us what the main challenges are for medication adherence and management? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, a quarter of our prescriptions go unfilled. You know, at Dr. First, when we talk about the challenges or the friction to getting medications filled, I usually put it into three buckets. I think the biggest bucket and the one uh, we spend a lot of time talking about is cost or what the patient will have to pay out of pocket to go and pick that up. There's uh, numerous studies that have showed that once that copay gets into the $50 to $100 range, the adherence plummets. People just have to make really hard decisions about, do I fill this or do I go get something else? And so cost is a big one. I'd say the second one, I like to put in what I call the education bucket. Sometimes patients just don't understand what that medication is for or why it was important or what to expect when taking it, you know, it's potential side effects, things like that. And so, you know, with abbreviated office visits, sometimes you don't get a chance to discuss all of these things. And so there's a lot of misunderstanding that often can lead to an abandoned prescription. And then the third bucket is what I call life gets in the way. It's those of us who forget. I forget that there's something waiting for me at the pharmacy and then I get the, the message two weeks later that it's been reshelved and now I have to initiate the whole process over and over again. And so there's certain things that, that we should be able to do to at least alleviate those three buckets of, of challenges to get patients on therapy and more importantly, keep them on therapy. Yeah, those are some, yeah, it seems like those would be the main challenges, um, especially what you said that I, I often do it, you know, I get the text message, I'm like, oh, I got to go get my medication. And then it gets reshelved. <laughs> it's like, oh, I made a mistake. So yeah, I definitely feel that. But it seems like maybe collaboration seems like that would be helpful. So how can healthcare providers collaborate with patients and their families to improve medication adherence in mental health outcomes? Yeah, I think we're at an important inflection point in healthcare delivery, uh, particularly with the intersection of technology. A lot of folks will say if there was even one positive about the pandemic, and that's a stretch, it was the promotion of certain technologies, specifically telehealth, patient portals. All these things got more widely adopted and more widely accepted over the past three years. And so it, it all starts with a conversation, right? Especially mental health, particularly challenging. And so to the extent that it's permissible and you're allowed to engage other folks in the process, you know, that notion of it takes a village, whether that's a spouse or other family members, mental illness is hard. And so we could use all the help we can get. But, you know, now that we're in this new age, you can combine that with technology. There are things that we can do to overcome those barriers, whether it's text messages like you alluded to earlier, patient portals. We're getting into really fascinating times 
with chatbots and chat GPT is in the forefront of everybody's mind right now. And so I just think we're at a really important point where technology combined with the clinicians and the village, we're really going to start to tackle these challenges related to adherence. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Yeah, if there is any good that came out of the pandemic, I do agree that the digital tools that seem to be, you know, giving those patient nudges that we mentioned do seem helpful. So like you said, I'm, I'm happy to see how the culmination really changes the flow of medication adherence and just healthcare in general. So how can medication adherence be monitored in patients with mental health disorders and these technologies that you mentioned? What are these tools and technologies that are available? Yeah, this is a fun one. And this is really part of the sweet spot for Dr. First as a company. I I like to say that we started as an e-prescribing company, but really we've evolved into what I call a medication management platform where not only can we help you prescribe it, but we can help you monitor it. We can help you engage with your patients. Um, The tools, you know, they can be as simple as a piece of paper, you know, writing down what you took. In fact, I used to do that with my patients. Take a log, write it down, write down your blood pressures, et cetera. And, you know, we've evolved past that, but to some extent that still works. But now we've got more advanced and more fun things. So whether it's the patient portal, whether it's the the friendly nudge that I'm sending you either asynchronously through a, a portal message, or even now the ability to use real-time, you know, SMS or other similar technologies to check in on the patient. The really fun stuff is when you get to combine these technologies with data. And so what I mean by that is one of the core solutions that Dr. First has is around medication dispense history, meaning there are solutions you can press a button and find out what the patient has been picking up at the pharmacy. So that's a huge leap forward. You know, maybe a decade ago, that button that we pressed, when, and you know, I remember not having the button, so I was very happy to get something. But a lot of times that data was just financial data. It was claims data. It was so if it went through the insurance and if it, it got to the right place in the right time and I hit the button, then I would see, oh, Colin filled a lisinopril at a CVS pharmacy, for example. And now we've evolved past that where we can actually get the data from the pharmacy itself. And the reason that's important is going back to my three buckets earlier, not everybody uses insurance. If a patient uses one of those coupons that they get online or, or if they pay cash because they haven't met their deductible for the year... When you rely on financial data, it's not going to appear there. It's going to look like I don't go fill that medication when, in fact, I do. I just happen to make a financial decision to use cash or a coupon. So we have the ability as a medication management platform to feed that data back into the workflow of our clinicians, of our mental health providers. And then we can actually also layer on top of it what I call certain decision support or intelligence, where we can do the calculations in real time. There's something in the industry called PDC or proportion of days covered. And basically, it's a fancy fraction to figure out whether or not the patient is reliably picking up those medications. And so when you get a PDC score less than 80%, that means you you probably picked it up the first time and then you were due in 30 days, but you never went back and got it. And so now that score is 50% because it's 60 days later and I only see 30 pills. That's the patient I need to go touch. And so we will flash that up on the screen. We will highlight that in red. We will float it to the top and we'll say, you know, of the 10 patients you're monitoring, here's five that you need to touch. 
And now I pick up the phone or now I use those technologies, whether it's the portal, the SMS, the chat, et cetera. That's the fun stuff. And then very timely that we're having this conversation because we just finished back-to-back conferences, uh, Vive and then Hymns in Chicago. And now you see players getting into the space where they will know down to the pill whether you took it or not. So there's technology that you can you know, encapsulate the tablet and it knows when it's been ingested, which it's a little rough right now, but it's getting there. And then there's other things like a digital home assistant that knows whether or not you've dispensed the pills for that day and it keeps logs of it on your phone. And so I waxed poetic there for a good five minutes, but there's just so much stuff in this space that I think it's a really exciting time. Yeah, absolutely. I knew of some of those tools, but I didn't know how in-depth it got nowadays. So that's really exciting. I do have a follow-up question. Maybe the audience would be wondering too about like the privacy issues behind data. I know that's always huge. So how does that work? Because you said you're getting this information straight from the pharmacy. Yeah. So that, you know, we never uh, obtain or, and we certainly don't share or sell data you know, it's a huge no-no and you actually see some pretty big players getting slapped on the hand for some of those things like that. But the way that we do it is it's actually part of what the patients consent to when they enroll in the clinic or when they get admitted to the hospital. So it's part of the healthcare conditions, that big form that you sign. And so at any moment, the patients have the ability to opt out. Don't get my data. Don't share my data. We certainly respect that. In fact, we do that across all of our tools. We make it very easy for patients to opt out. On that note, how do you manage the patients who, say, refuse to take their medications due to maybe side effects or just other concerns related to their mental health conditions? This is the tough one. It takes a village and it takes a conversation. You know, I'm an internal medicine physician. I've been practicing for over 25 years. We all have those patients. You know, we used to call them non-compliant, difficult patient. And, you know, at the root of it, really, you just needed to get to the why. And to get to the why often takes a lot of time. There's a lot of digging. There's a lot of history that you have to wade through. And quite frankly, unfortunately, healthcare isn't incented to do these deep dives and have these meaningful conversations as much as they did in the past. But luckily, we're also at an age where there's alternatives. For every medication that has some side effect, there's usually a therapeutic equivalent that doesn't or has a different one or a different effect profile. There's also, especially in mental health, there are long-acting medications. For schizophrenia, for example, there's injections that you can do once a month. You know, if I can get that patient or get that family member to commit to that once a month action, I can get them on therapy. I can keep them on the right course. And so, uh, you know, thank goodness that we're at a time that there's options. Also, we're at a very interesting time as it relates to specialty medications or biologics. There are lots of new developments across pretty much every disease state that are showing wonderful results. You know, migraines, diabetes, schizophrenia, bipolar. Unfortunately, it's all over the advertising space, but it also means that there's going to be generic equivalents around the corner as well. And so it's just... Takes a village, takes a conversation, and luckily we have a lot more options than we did maybe a decade or two ago. That's a good point. Yeah, having all of the options is amazing. Even some of my medications, you know, I've had side effects and the doctor's like, oh, that's great. Well, then you can do this instead. You know, I can't even imagine what it would have been like if that option would not have been available. Yep. So yeah, great point. 
how can we address the disparities in access to healthcare and improve health equity, particularly regarding mental health and medication adherence? Yeah, this is a toughie. And this is another one where I'll lean back on technology because, you know, if you live in a small rural area, maybe in the past you didn't even have access to broadband and now there's options. And the reason that's important is because so much of mental health, or at least a large portion of it, is appropriate for remote care, remote monitoring, and telehealth. And so now that I can couple rural areas with the appropriate broadband access, and I can marry you up with a provider who's maybe 50 or 100 miles away, now I've opened up a care paradigm that you didn't have access to previously. And I think that's a big, big deal. What'll be interesting is what the Congress and what healthcare decides to do with the rules that were sort of softened during the pandemic. So things like practicing across state lines, we need to reconcile with the fact that we are in a new world and maybe we need to sort of remove a lot of those things permanently, even though the pandemic is about to be officially over. So I think technology has a huge role in leveling the playing field for all patients, independent of social status, race, et cetera, because now you can bring everybody up, you know, a rising tide floats all boats. And so really excited at the role that technology can play in that. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that those measures are kept forever, too, in my opinion. I'm thinking now that traveling's more prevalent, someone who is traveling constantly, they still need to see a doctor. And it's like if they have to be in their home state and they travel every week for work during the work week, that's going to be hard for them. It's very interesting. So very, very valid point. And also, we know that in underserved communities, affordability is obviously a huge significant barrier to medication adherence. And this results in inequalities. So Dr. Banas, how can healthcare providers ensure that patients with mental health disorders access affordable medication and mental health services, particularly in underserved communities? Yeah, so it's knowledge, right? It's the data. So one of the great things that we're able to do as a company in in healthcare at large is provide information at the point of care as to what things will cost. So that's a big one. 20 years ago, I might have written you for a really expensive drug, but I have no idea how much it costs when I write it because I don't know your insurance. I'm just starting out in healthcare, so I'm going to write you for the, the fancy drug. And I don't know what it costs and you don't know what it costs and you go to the pharmacy to pick it up and boom, it's $220 out of pocket. And you say, well, forget that. I, you know, I'll go without. And if I don't see you again for six months, I never know that you never got that medication and you, your diabetes comes back. You know, sorry, I just gave you diabetes. But, um, <laughs> you know, now you're even worse than you were six months ago because I didn't know. And if I had known at the moment of prescribing, I could have had a conversation. So that's part of the equation is, and we call that real-time prescription benefit or RTPB. Basically, at the moment I'm making that decision, it pings your insurance and says, that's not covered, but here's three that are. You might want to click here. Or that is covered, but it's $125 out of pocket. Let's you and I have a conversation. Can you swing that? No? Okay, let's find something else. And so that's half of the equation. And then the other half of the equation, and this is particularly relevant in impoverished portions of the healthcare landscape, as well as in mental health, is that part where I can line you up with programs and savings on your end. 
So that automated text message that brought in that coupon card. And I know there's other companies that will take things like social determinants of health and match you up with services that are uh, available in the area. But it all comes back to that common denominator, which is we need to know how can I surface those insights to the clinician at the right time? And how can I surface them to the patient? In fact, how can I surface them to the entire care team so that I can then take A and B and put them together? And that's another exciting role for technology. Yeah, for sure. It seems like technology is able to slide into the cracks and really, you know, flag the gaps in care here for providers. I mean, if you, yeah, think about it. Think about your experience in any other vertical, you know, aviation or banking or commerce. Like they've nailed a lot of this logistics stuff, you know, decades ago. Healthcare is always late to the party, but at least we're finally getting there. Yeah, absolutely. That I hear that more often than I should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, but at least we're getting there. You're right. Well, Dr. Vanis, thank you so much for setting aside the time to speak with us today. We truly appreciate it. Oh, anytime. I love this stuff. (laughs) Well, it was a great conversation. It was super insightful. You take care, okay? Thank you very much. And for our listeners, feel free to reach out to us at A-K-A-Y-L-O-R at extelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts on today's topic. You can also use that email to share any healthcare-related questions or stories that you would like us to consider covering. And if you have the time, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and give us a five-star review if you enjoyed today's podcast episode. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you later. This is a Tech Target production.